Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. On Theme is a production of iHeartRadio and Fairweather Friends Media. Though the lookalikes didn't share biology, they shared a love of stories that bonded them. Huh? I wanted to have a memorable first line of our podcast. Oh, okay. Like, 124 was spiteful. Or, they shoot the white girl first. I was born by the river. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. <laughs> and those are some iconic lines. Yeah, when the griot speaks, the people listen. An elder whose memory held a library of myths, folktales, community histories, epics, and legends. We have always, always had many stories to tell. Stories of our highest highs and our lowest lows. Our hearts, cradled by our mama, daddy, sister, cousin, friend. Our science and magic, wielded by tender hands. Our names and languages snatched. Our links to our history, our stories, ourselves sold. Through it all, our mouths, our memories remained. The people could fly. And it turns out, the stories could too. Gospel music's redemptive arc. Black exploitation's hyperbole. The quick wit of playing the dozens and roasting. The family history baked into recipes passed down from generation to generation. Ida's investigations of strange fruit, a reality that's hard to swallow. Tony's loving hands, writing about the Black woman in America. The subway performer whose larger-than-life movements and familiar cadence that are all but shouting, Do you see me? Because I'm right here. No matter the form, topic, or venue, Black storytelling is all about bearing witness. Black stories are the reason why I hesitate to kill spiders, even though they scare me. And why I know what 1970s Jackson, Mississippi looks like from a primary source. Black stories are the reason why I feel empowered to be a storyteller. 
And on this podcast, Black stories are the default, the meaningful and profound, the mundane and petty, stories that keep us up at night and stories that make us roll our eyes. We're taking a second look and questioning the consensus. We're pulling stories from the archive that you've never heard of before and won't be able to shut up about afterward. I'm Katie. And I'm Eves. And this is On Theme with Katie and Eves. Today's episode, This is the Beginning. So why are we here? Like, why now? First of all, we love Black stories. And we think, you know, Black stories deserve the spotlight all of the time. True. Okay. Not just during Black History Month or around Juneteenth. Not, definitely not, in the aftermath of a tragedy. Black stories are more than a fad or fodder for opportunistic outsiders. We know them. We love them. And, of course, we're moved by them. They change our lives, so we want to share them. We want to give them their due. That was so beautiful. I just I just need a moment right now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you playing. What about you? I echo everything you just said 100%. Do you remember in 2020 and everyone was like reckoning? Yeah, it was a time <laughs> that it I'm glad it's over time. now. <laughs> it, that was one of the times I was like, this is going to be in the history books. <laughs> it felt like change was possible like everything could change in that year and I mean, some things did but from my vantage point a lot of things went back to how they were including the attention black stories were receiving so for me when thinking about this podcast and planning and creating it with you that Toni Morrison quote was really on my mind the whole time which quote are you talking about you know the one let me make sure I'm saying it right if there's a book that you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. So I took that advice, but I applied it to podcasts. Selfishly, I want to listen to this podcast because I haven't heard anything like it yet. Basically, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Okay, Fannie Lou. Mississippi gang gang. <laughs> Jackson, stand up. <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> but seriously, On Theme is here because it was its time. There are countless podcasts out there, true enough. And everything else to take our attention. Lord knows I'm addicted to TikTok. But what I'm particularly looking forward to is adding to the collective archive of Black storytelling. Because Mm -hmm. there's so many Black storytellers out there. So many Black podcasters doing their things. You know, and as a bookstore owner, I'm always surprised when I find something that's new to me that's so good. But for whatever reason has fallen off of the public's radar. If it was ever on there to begin with. There's so many books like from the 20s, 30s, 40s that Black people wrote that are amazing. Haven't heard of them. Never heard of this man. Who is that man? Sorry to that man. But enough exposition. Let's get into this first episode. Okay, let's do it. So what are we talking about today? All stories have a beginning. And all good stories have good beginnings. So today, we're specifically looking at the first episodes of TV shows that made us watch the series all the way through. Slightly embarrassing fun fact about me, I get weirdly attached to the fictional characters from my favorite TV shows. And that attachment usually happens the first time I encounter them. I don't think that's embarrassing. There is something about going on a journey with an especially a lovable character. Mm. So I'm the same way too. Beyond our emotional attachment, there are also some technical elements that draw us into a story's world by design. What are those technical elements? You know, character setup, answering the question, why now? Like, why is the story starting at this particular point in time? Yep. Then, of course, conflict and setting up for the rest of the series. 
Okay, so a reason for folks to keep watching along. Mm-hmm. Because we all know there's plenty of media to engage with. So folks are not about to sit around watching something that doesn't capture their attention. Issa Rae has a good write-up on pilots on her masterclass. But yeah, as we're starting on our on-theme journey with all the emotions and feelings that come with beginning something new, let's go rewatch the first episodes of our favorite shows and put ourselves back in the state of mind we were in when we first watched them. So we'll meet back here after the break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. Prudential knows that no community is a monolith, and we all have unique financial needs. With black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com blueprints. And we're back. So what episode did you watch? I watched the first episode of Abbott Elementary. Have you seen it? I haven't, but I've heard great things about it. What about you? What did you watch? I watched I May Destroy You. Have you seen that? I haven't, but I do know Michaela Cole and her cheekbones are the star. That is true. She is also the writer, the co-director, and the executive producer of the show. Okay, you better get me together. She's not just a star. You know, (laughs) all in a day's work for her. So from what I know about I May Destroy You, it sounds like we watched very different shows. That sounds about right for us. It is very (laughs) typical of us, always doing the opposite of each other. Okay, so fill me in and anyone else who hasn't watched I May Destroy You, give us a little synopsis and the premise of the show. And you better say spoiler alert if you're about to spoil some. Okay, so 
spoilers constitute different things for different people. So I'm just going to go ahead and say we have now stepped into the spoiler alert zone. So be prepared. (laughs) Be prepared to have some spoilers. Also, I will give a content warning here because there is subject matter around rape. So if you're sensitive to that topic, you can go ahead and skip forward in this episode. Okay, so I'm going to keep it simple. Michaela Cole plays Arabella, a writer who is struggling to finish her second book. She ends up realizing that someone raped her while she was out one night, but she can't remember what happened exactly. The show, which is only 12 episodes long, traces Arabella's path in the aftermath of the rape, how she responds to it, and how her friends help her through it. Whew, I'm glad you gave that content warning. Unfortunately, so many people can relate to that. Yeah. It is definitely something that is prescient and is always a topic of discussion. And it's something that many people appreciated her really bringing up and talking about it in a way that is really nuanced and sensitive as well. Yeah, I can imagine her perspective is one that we needed in this conversation because it's something that's talked about, but is it talked about in the right way? (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, it's hard to say. It is one of those things that's hard to talk about that's already hard because the basis of it is sex. And we already know how hard, even when sex is based around pleasure. And that should be easy to talk about pleasure, right? But when it comes to something that is regarding violence, Mm -hmm. you know, that's another different level of it and also something where gender is involved. And it's just so hard to have conversations around that in spheres where all of the ways that we're talking are very truncated versions of conversations. They're small, they're short, they're snappy. Mm -hmm. And so art can really show up and do something about that because it allows us to have different interpretations. It allows us to have an enjoyment of art at the same time that we are able to think more deeply about something and maybe develop new opinions and ideas around it. Mm-hmm. It's not just like a twee or a sound bite. So with it fresh in your mind, give us a rundown of the first episode. Okay, so we know from the jump that Arabella as a character, she's adventurous, she's driven, she's fun, and she's somehow laid back and on edge at the same time. And she's a little messy, as we all are, you know. Relatable. <laughs> exactly. In her master class, Issa Rae talks about the importance of complex real characters and Arabella is definitely that she shows strength and vulnerability she makes imperfect choices and she loves hard throughout it all so the show starts off with her returning to her hometown which is London after a quick hop skip over to Italy to link with the guy they're flying me here because they think I'm working just show them what you've done so far so what I'm saying is what does that actually look like and what I've done here is eat four she speaks with a dick But the thing is, she was supposed to be there working on her second book, which her deadline for is fast approaching. And she plans on pulling this all-nighter to write, but she ends up taking a break to party with her friends and finish her draft, which her agents are not super impressed by in the end, by the way. But Arabella is clearly feeling out of whack after her night out. She does end up finding her way back home after getting a little help navigating from a fan who is really seeming super thirsty and a little overzealous, but she was a fan nonetheless, and she was helpful. But Arabella arrived home and immediately remembered that she had been raped while she was out. And then the episode ends. Do you remember what was going through your mind when you 
first saw the episode, what emotions were coming up for you? Well, you know, I don't even know how much I have been primed to watch the show. Mm -hmm. I do like going into things without knowledge of them. So I think it was pretty heavy for me, like as a writer, also being able to relate to the struggles of writing, which is in itself a process that is that can be super vulnerable in lots of ways. And yes. you're already participating in a sort of shedding of yourself, something where you have to open your heart. You have to think you have to think about things deeply. You know, you're forced <laughs> hate to be thinking deeply. <laughs> I hate thinking deeply. We say as the hosts of this podcast about thinking deeply about Boo, storytelling. Thinking deeply. <laughs> You're in that zone and you're very open. You know, you're you're like you have all these wounds all over you already. Sometimes when you're in the process of writing, especially something like a book. So I think thinking about that and just being able to see the full breadth of her character as a black woman who was allowed to make mistakes, who we were allowed to be like, girl, you you could have done better. And also like, girl, us saying to ourselves, me saying to myself, <laughs> look at all of these very real societal and systemic issues that she's dealing with too, that she's handling in a, a way that I don't know if I would handle. So I had many feelings about it when I first saw the episode. I do know that I wanted to watch the rest of the show. And I will say that it does help that the show is only 12 episodes long. Because mm -hmm. if I look at a show and I'm like, it's eight, it's 10, it's 12 episodes, you don't have to put that much investment into it. And it wasn't even from that perspective necessarily that I was thinking of it because I was enjoying the experience of watching the show. So it was more like, oh, we got 12 episodes, let's go, let's and let's keep going and watching this. And I would also say that it was definitely helpful to put some space in between the episodes rather than watching them all at one time because the subject matter can be triggering in different ways or can just bring up a lot of different kinds of emotions. So I knew that after watching that first episode that I was like, whew, okay, okay. That message has been received and maybe I need to let it sit for a little bit before I go into the second episode. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you talked about her being a writer and you're a writer and you identified with the vulnerability that comes with that. And then also she's a black woman. Do you think that the feelings that came up came up more easily because you were able to identify with the main character, like squarely see yourself in this person's shoes? I think so. I think there's always a sort of distance that you have with the character that you're watching on television, not just because they're fictional, but because they're drawn not to be you. You know, there are different ways in which I would differ. And that can make a viewing experience be so much more rich because you're like, I would never do that. Like, <laughs> or wow, what if I did do that? You know, you can have differences and be able to imagine yourself in those situations. But I do think when it's specifically a Black character or a Black woman character, that there's something in me that really wants to root for them. Like, I will make an excuse for everything that I feel like they did wrong. And that's and the problem. <laughs> Hold on now. <laughs> I will. I will be on their side a lot more easily, I think. Or at least it can be like that for me sometimes. Like, you have more empathy for them. 
Yes, I would I would say that I have more empathy, more length, more grace, <laughs> more hope, all of those those great feelings. That's interesting because I think as black Americans growing up, we're taught at an early age to identify with white characters, you know, whether it's through like the classic Disney movies or even the majority of books assigned to us in public school. So when there is a black character that you see, like you see yourself or at least someone that you love in them and then that attachment and those emotions are different, at least for me. And it sounds like maybe it's similar for you in this case with I May Destroy You. Yeah, I think so. I definitely can relate to this idea as a black American of being taught to identify with white characters, but ashamedly, I don't even know if that's a word, but it's about to be today. <laughs> I definitely would imagine default white characters a lot of the time because I was so immersed in so many worlds where I was imagining white characters. So it is when there is a black main character and you see them traversing their ways through different situations and thinking and being complex and doing things that are in opposition in one moment, doing something that seems out of character based on what you have already assumed about them so far, it's really refreshing. Yeah, that main character energy, like you get to see them be super complex. Like even with white shows that I really like, I found myself identifying with the supporting characters like, you know, I love The Office back in the day in 2010. Like, sure literally did. everybody else. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but I never identified with Michael, the, the manager, the boss. Like, he was funny. He was a terrible manager. I saw many Michaels in my career. But when I watched the show and I saw Stanley, I was like, Stanley is me and I am Stanley. So Stanley, he's the black guy who took naps during work. And left right on time. Yes. Yep. And that's me. That's me all day, every day. <laughs> but but back to I May Destroy You. Looking back, why did you keep watching the show and it wasn't a I started the show but never finished it type situation? So first of all, it's not hard to watch Michaela Cole do anything. So I knew that I was going to enjoy the rest of the show based on the first episode, of course, but also just based on the history of Michaela Cole's work. And I it's one of those ironic feelings to where it's something that I know that I'm watching that is hard subject matter for me to watch in moments, especially not knowing what's going to happen next. But at the same time, it is enjoyable to watch because there is not just focus on assault and on violence, but there's also focus on her friendships. There is focus on moments of brightness even if that's just small moments of gritty humor, those things still do show up. So even though a lot of it is dark, there is still balance in the things that are talked about, in the sweetness, in the familiarity of Black friendships, first of all, of how they show how Black people show up for other Black people, mm. even when the relationships are complicated. So even when Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. In the show, when social media starts to become an issue, it's still, it, it happens in friendships. You know, there are things that come between us that break us down, that we get through, that may be petty, but we still argue over. 
that we when we become jealous of friends, maybe, you know, different situations that happen within friendships and also within sexual and romantic relationships. So it's a multi-layered show, which has a lot of different elements in it that allow it to be enjoyable, even when we're having these revelatory moments within that. Yeah. So it sounds like they really captured you with the complexity of, you know, a world that looks like the real world. I'm doing air quotes there, but, you know, sometimes you watch a show and even if you like it, you're just like, this could never happen. (laughs) But with I May Destroy You, and it sounds like she's kind of an an emerging, kind of well-known writer, someone in the early stages of their career, but has a lot of other stuff going on. Like, she's just not set up living the the life of luxury so she still has like real stuff to contend with i i think you convinced me to watch it i was a little hesitant because i did hear that it was dealing with sexual assault so yeah and it's no shame in taking your time to watch something i mean we like you said we are in the age of having many many things in media that we are able to consume so tell me and all of the other people about abbott elementary my pleasure i love this show But I have to profess my love after this ad break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Prudential knows that no community is a monolith, and we all have unique financial needs. With black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com blueprints. 
And we're back. I love this show. You know, I've been with Miss Quintus and she was making skits. And a large popcorn. A large? You got money. He got money. Get it all for him. I wasn't expecting to love the show like I do. Like, I expected to like it. You know, I expect to support my girl no matter if I didn't like it. But, you know, it was advertised as a sitcom and I am not a sitcom girly. I usually okay. find them a bit corny, but, you know, I was going to tune in. I was no matter what. Support my girl. Okay. <laughs> okay. But so for the uninitiated, Abbott Elementary is about a group of teachers in an underfunded school in Philadelphia and how they navigate teaching their students with limited resources. It's like mockumentary style, like The Office. And it's a comedy. The interactions between the teachers and the commentary that the students provide is hilarious. Like, living and working in poverty isn't funny. Fair enough. But the situations within that environment do get kind of hilarious. Okay, so Katie, looking back at that first episode, what was going on in it and how were you reacting to it? So we meet Janine, the main character played by Quinta. She's in her second year of teaching, and I describe her as earnest, eager even. And you know, I've definitely been that girl. I'm embarrassed by how earnest I've been in the past, but she's <laughs> definitely in her earnest, eager era. Okay. <laughs> and she's not embarrassed yet. <laughs> we also meet other characters, including other teachers, the principal, the janitor, a sub, and some of the students. It's giving ensemble cast. Oh, yeah. And they work really well together. So the first episode, we're introduced to the cast and the overarching conflict in the show, which is the school not having enough funding to get the things they need for their students. In this case, it's the rugs for the classroom, like, you know, the story time rug. So Janine, our eager McBeaver, gets the principal to put an emergency funding request to the district, which is approved. But then the principal misappropriates those funds to get a sign on the outside of the school that includes a nearly life-size picture of herself. A plastic sign? Thank God for the school district, because they gave us $3,000 and I had to spend all of it. You spent all of the money on this? Rush job. Can you believe it's quality? Dang. But not, not all is lost. A veteran teacher calls in a favor and gets free Philadelphia Eagles rugs for the classrooms instead. The teachers were able to subvert the system and authority to provide for their students. Okay, so how did you feel watching it? I felt two ways. Like, as someone watching a new show and as someone watching a creator do something mm. that could catapult their career. Mm. So from the standpoint of watching a new show, I felt like these people are fun. They're a good team. They work well together. You mm -hmm. know, I had my eyes peeled for a budding romance. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> and I felt really safe watching the show. I knew there was going to be conflict because that comes with storytelling, right? But mm. I didn't anticipate being traumatized or mm. any jump scares or heart-wrenching plot twists. It was just a wholesome, non-corny, funny TV show. And I felt warm and ready to see what happened next. Okay. So I am very interested in use you using that word, safe. So what does it mean to you to feel safe watching a show because I don't I you know I'm a horror girly so yeah. <laughs> a lot of things I watch and I know that I'm not going to be in the safe environment when I step into that world so mm -hmm. what is it about you and your experience of enjoying viewing things that you want to feel safe in and that does make you feel safe yeah, that's a good question. So I'm not a horror girly, but I also am a thriller girly. So I do like 
stories that don't provide that safety. But with a sitcom focused on Black people, especially Black kids, it's in the school, like the kids are all around. I didn't want to see anything that was going to make me sad. Mm. And I saw like on Twitter, people were like, Quinta, you should have a school shooting episode. Like, be fucking for real. Who needs to see that? Like, we see that on the news every time we turn on the TV. And some, somehow, some way, the people always want the drama. Yeah. Some of the episodes get very awkward, but it's never like that. It's like, it's on a good level for me for what mm-hmm. it is. I, I'm not coming to Abbott Elementary to cry. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not coming to Abbott Elementary to be staring at the screen <laughs> a minute after the show ends with my mouth wide open. Like, I just want to have fun. Let's have a vibe. Okay. That's all I need. <laughs> That's real. I respect that. And so when you say you're watching Quinta at the same time. Yeah. So like for a lot of shows, I don't really know or care who created it as long as it's entertaining. But for Abbott, I knew it was Miss Quinta's and seeing her transition from viral videos to working at BuzzFeed. And now she has a show on ABC. It was like witnessing a very pivotal point in her evolution as a creator and storyteller. And I don't know what's in the future for Quinta. I believe a lot of good things. And I believe Abbott will be the conduit that will open a lot of those doors for those cool opportunities coming for her. So I think I just felt like a sense of wonder and endless possibility. I felt excited for her. I felt hopeful for her. I was just like, go Quinta, go Quinta, go Quinta. Mm. That's so interesting to me because we're talking about first episodes, but you're also kind of talking about these premieres for people. And of course there's work that's leading up to it, but pivotal moments of change, of new beginnings Mm -hmm. for people. So if you see that happening at the same time for a creator of a show, especially if they're just so integral in something that so many people end up loving and really admiring that work at the same time, it's kind of like you're starting something with them. And I can imagine that feels really good. Yeah, it's like I was there episode one (laughs) before the Emmys. Now that's a flex I'd never heard. Not episode one. (laughs) Not day one, episode one. I know you did some work before the Emmys. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't I know about you then. Well I caught up. I caught up. Okay, I I got there eventually. That's all that matters. (laughs) So it's like you were watching Janine, the fictional character, and Quinta, the real person, at the same time and feeling different things for them. Different, but similar to I think that Quinta, like Janine, has a really good team that really works well together, else the show wouldn't be garnering the attention and getting the reaction from fans that it has. I wonder if you had similar thoughts about Michaela the person and Arabella in I May Destroy You. Can you tell me more about what you mean by similar thoughts? Yeah, like, did you see Michaela in a pivotal point of her career as you were watching Arabella go through her struggles, or did you just focused on the character. So I did know that there was a history of Michaela Cole herself being sexually assaulted. And that kind of, that had a lot to do with why she created this show. But I wasn't so much focused on Michaela Cole in real life and what was happening with Arabella, even though there was that intrinsic link to Michaela Cole, the real person and her her character, and, of course, the element of her being an artist in the show as well, that because she was a writer. But I didn't necessarily see or think about as I was watching the show. And maybe that has something to do with it wasn't so humor-based. 
you know, you were watching something that was sick. I was watching something that had humorous moments, but that was about the drama more so, even though it did have lighter moments in it as well. So maybe it had something to do with that. And that's why I was able to separate those two worlds. Mm. I'm like, oh, Issa, this is so great. You're going to do great. Good job. Quincha, mm-hmm. good job. Like, I think about the person behind it because there's it takes so much to create art. It does. And so I'm, I'll am i think about that. Like, oh, like, she really worked hard. Like, this is beautiful cinema, cinematography. Mm-hmm. This writing is great. I'm yeah. really not in it. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm uh-huh. distracted thinking about everything else. But I like that you're able to immerse yourself completely. <laughs> Yeah. It's the I think it's the yoga. It's that mindfulness <laughs> in you. <laughs> you know, I try to take it one step at a time. Be here now. I'm in the moment. Okay. <laughs> I'm curious as we wrap up our first episode, how does this beginning feel for you? You mean beginning this podcast? Yeah. It feels great. First of all, I love starting new things with you, Katie. Mm-hmm. That feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, we're our own two-person cast of characters here. (laughs) (laughs) A motley crew. (laughs) A motley crew. Starting our own thing. I love that we are able to start something together because we have so much more ahead of us, right? So we know that when we start something new, that that means that there will be many, many other things in the future, that there is potential for growth and there is potential for new and unexpected things to happen. And I think that's the case with first episodes as well. It's like there's that big and like really bubbly feeling of anticipation of not knowing what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. And in shows, not knowing and also being excited because you don't know what's going to happen next because the world is your oyster (laughs) and we're sharpening our oyster knives. Come on, Zora. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many feelings, even conflicting feelings. Mm. I feel hopeful. I also feel kind of nervous, you know, like hopeful that we'll create something artful and smart and every other positive adjective there is out there (laughs) and it will grow in the direction it's supposed to. But also nervous because it's hard being seen trying in public, right? And that's what a podcast is. You're just in someone's ears and they're in Mm. your thoughts. And it's really nerve-wracking for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I hear you, Katie. I affirm that. And it is. I think that is the pain of being an artist in general, too. Where you try in public, but there's no way we can ever get around that, right? Going back to this idea of if there's something you want to see in the world, then you have to write it. It's also like when there is no writer who says when they're finished with their book that there's nothing they would change about it. But there is some point in that process where you have to let go of the thing. Mm -hmm. You have to release it to people because you're writing it. It wasn't meant for you to hold on to if it was a thing you weren't planning on holding on to. You wanted to share it with the world and you wanted to share it with the world for a reason. So trying in public, that's also part of the process. And that process is just as important as the finished product. And with first episodes, as in TV shows, as this is a first episode as well, we have to remember that there is more to come. 
and that therein lies more potential for change, more potential for progress, and that things don't have to be 100% perfect and beautiful for you to release them. You know, we're all figuring things out as we go along. That is applicable in our art, but that's also applicable in our lives in general. Something I definitely need to work on because I'm a don't put it out till it's perfect world. Mm-hmm. And that's how I don't be doing that. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Came back to bite you in the ass. <laughs> it's like I, mean, I, I need it to be perfect, but then like I'm also not a perfectionist. So I was like never going to get perfect. So mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. But that's why I have you to push me. And I will. To be better. Be best. And I will. Well, it's about that time at the end of every episode. We'll give credit to a person, place, thing, idea, whatever. So, Eves, who or what are you giving credit to? Today, I am going to give credit to Michaela Cole's book, Misfits. As you know, Katie, because you've known me for a very long time, I can often feel like a misfit, often (laughs) feel very unconventional. And so, Michaela Cole's book, Misfits, was a short read based on a speech that she gave. But I found that it's one of those things that you can find these little small nuggets of inspiration and just encouragement to stay on the path you're on and be true to yourself and be fearless in the way that you present your offerings to the world and exist and express yourself in the world. Love it. Your turn. I think I'm going to give credit to all the Black podcasters that came before us. Specifically, I'm thinking about Heaven and Tracy in this moment. They were the first, Another Round was the first podcast that I was like waiting for the podcast to drop. Like that's what type of listener I was. And they just showed me as just like two Black women can make a show. Like that's fine. That's cool. People will listen. People will love it. So yeah, I want to give them credit. Hope they're doing well in their pursuits now. But I definitely go back to the Another Round catalog from time to time and reminisce. And I love that. So this was our first episode and a beginning for all of us together. But this won't be the last time that you all hear from us. So we'll see you again next week. On Theme is a production of iHeartRadio and Fairweather Friends Media. This episode was written by Eves Jeffco and Katie Mitchell. It was edited and produced by Tari Harrison. Follow us on Instagram at OnThemeShow. You can also send us an email at hello at onTheme.show. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway.